Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, where each week we talk with subject matter experts in news and topics in the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. Let's get started with a review of the markets. Today is Tuesday, October 18th. December 22 corn closed down two and a half cents, trading 681 even. November 22 soybeans closed down 13 and a quarter cents, trading 1372 even. Turning to our guests this week, we have with us Lori Nelson, a member of the star-studded Everag Grain Market Advisor Team. Lori joins us from the Show Me State. When Lori isn't helping clients manage price risk, she is found subbing on the Everag IT help desk and honing her roping skills. A real jackknife woman of her time. Lori, how are we? Oh, we're good, Britt. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Well, harvest is rolling right along. Give us a quick update on what you're hearing from clients that you talk to across the Midwest. Yeah, so as we talk with clients across the Midwest, um, yesterday's report came out that we're 45% completed on a national level on corn, which um, in an average, that's 40%. Missouri is 67% harvested compared to an average of 65% on corn. Iowa farmers are 38% harvested compared to a 29% harvested on corn. Beans nationally were 63% harvested with an average of 52% harvested. Missouri that I talked with those folks, they're 38% harvested on beans, a 29% average. The folks I visit with in Iowa, are, that's coming in at 74% and that's an average of 49%. So harvest is progressing really well. And you know, from a take of who I talk to, it seems like they're kind of on the backside of finishing beans in the south. Corn is pretty well tied up and up north. They're they're tidying up beans and moving furiously into corn. Lori, so typically we think of this time of year and markets moving lower, uh, often termed harvest pressure. However, despite the progress that's being made, both corn and soybeans have stayed fairly strong in in what could maybe be best described as a sideways or range-bound market. What are your thoughts on why we're not seeing that typical harvest pressure to price? Oh, Britt, there, there's a lot of variables here, and I'm just going to toss out a few variables of, you know, Russia, Ukraine. Uh, we've got dry weather, lack of exports, world supply demand, macroeconomics, inflation, interest rates. But, you know, you look at world supply and what do we have coming? Just as I focus on beans here a little bit, Brazil is pretty favorable on weather and good conditions and uh, planting conditions. Argentina, as I flop around here a little bit, they're still, weather is hot and dry. The U.S., we're in a dry pattern right now. Lack of export sales, but we did see uh, two days back to back from China last week with an export export purchases. Mississippi River, uh, the headlines, just low water, not allowing barge traffic to move grain, fertilizer, or any other goods up and down the river at this point. Lori, speaking of logistics and the river system, the Mississippi River system has received a lot of attention lately, as you alluded to, and not for good reason. This morning, the river levels at Memphis and a num number of other locations across 
the southern stretch of the Mississippi posted record low river levels. First of all, I guess maybe tell us how that's impacting the local cash markets. And then secondary to that, what are farmers doing to work around this? Yeah, so when the news came out, what was that? Last week, probably last week, a week ago, that river levels were extremely low and barge freight wasn't going to move, we saw basis on the Mississippi widen out drastically, you know, $2 under, $1.40 under on bean basis. And that just backs that product up. And so we just, nothing's moving. So what do we got there? If that bean can find a rail market, it could find, you know, the rail freight's pretty fragile right now with labor issues. So discussions we've been having with producers is the cash market is still a favorable, profitable market or price for them. And so we've been talking about on beans, selling beans and looking at buying calls. And, and what have we done there? We've managed the downside risk with a lot of factors in the market, but we've also participated what if there's upside in that market with buying a call to be able to participate in that market movement higher. But we've, you know, managed our risk on the downside and kept our top side open. Beans are a, a market that can make some big moves when, when it's necessitated. You, you hit on South America a little bit earlier on, but what, give us a quick update on planting in South America, both Brazil and Argentina are in their spring planting season. Yeah, planting progress in South America. Let's just take a look at Monte Grasso in Brazil. That's the largest production state in Brazil and is well ahead of the average pace on planting. They've had frequent rains and they've been pretty timely type rains. So Monte Grasso is about 19% planted ahead of the five-year average, which was around 10%. So they're starting off really good on their planting season. And with a good planting season, they should finish timely in that January, February timeframe. And that would be just a good start on their Safrina second crop, corn crop. Argentina, on the other hand, they're seeing some issues with dryness. They're off to their worst, worst planting start in six years. They're about 12% planted compared to a 22% type average pace. So South America, Brazil looks like the weather's pretty favorable. Uh, Argentina's just struggling there this year. How could this impact the markets? Let's assume that South America and really specifically Brazil brings forward a record crop, which is still the expectation. And with that and record number of acres, how could that impact markets, specifically the soybean market? So they're going to have the product. And if it can move, the world will look at South America, Brazil for beans with increased planning. If we don't have a river market and look at it, look at the calendar, we're gonna have colder weather. We've got uh, the river that closes, so less freight moves on the frozen upper Northern Mississippi. So that could really backlog us on building some soybean stocks into the United States, which could then put some pressure on the, the bean market to move lower. Sticking with the theme of global markets here, you've touched on a number of these topics briefly earlier on in our discussion. Russia and Ukraine, uh, they had made a deal allowing for the more free flow of grains out of the Black Sea region into the global market. The originally negotiated deal ends at the end of this month, 
and conversations are beginning on how to continue allowing grain flow out of Ukraine into the world market where grain has become somewhat of a scarcity. Can you give us an update on where those conversations stand and, and how those decisions could affect our markets? Well, you know, Putin's made it really clear that he's not happy with how the grain's been shipped and where it's been shipped to. Uh, he's also stated he wouldn't approve any extension unless the countries meet his demands on and lift the, the sanctions. If the world can't come to an agreement to keep grain moving through Ukraine, this could be a huge, huge story moving forward. You know, we've seen through the growing season that the bombings have given us a lift in the markets short term, but this could uh, be a long-term effect as the year approaches an end. And another thought into Ukraine is, is their harvest is 17% behind last year's pace. So there's another facet to the range-bound market. Yeah, and last year we were still able, or last year Ukraine was still able to export some of their crop prior to the invasion of Russia. And that's a dynamic that we don't have the luxury of this year. None of that crop is going to be able to potentially be exported if this deal isn't struck. So we'll continue to pay attention. Uh, obviously, we know that uh, Russia and Putin will change their mind at their own convenience, but certainly something the market's going to be paying attention to and something that as buyers and sellers of grain both need to be attuned to as a real risk or opportunity in this market. And, you know, Britt, as we talk with producers with those concerned and we look at still well over $6 cash corn, very profitable levels for producers to be selling. And we talked about it in the bean market, very profitable levels. If you still want that participation, have a discussion about buying some calls. You've eliminated your downside risk is what I really like about those opportunities in the market. So we've talked about Russia. We've talked about Ukraine. We've talked about South America. There's only one country uh, that we have to, to have the conversation about yet because they've got to be you know, included in every discussion around grains these days. And that, of course, is China. So an interesting political situation over there as President Xi is actually up for re-election, but has just signaled a commitment to the zero COVID policy. So not wavering on that, despite the fact that uh, it's an election year for him, if you will. What's your outlook for China's demand? Could the country's grain imports and grain consumption both be impacted by future COVID lockdowns and other government policies. I think that's a real concern, Britt, as uh, China looks at lockdown, their economic strength is, is pretty weak. We look at a high U.S. dollar, their yen is low. So economically, that could put a damper on the demand needed of our U.S. products. Speaking of the Chinese economy, apparently China is going to delay the release of their GDP and other economic statistics. Read into that as you will. You know, their currency being lower, the yen being low. I guess they don't want to share any information with us right now. So, you know, demand definitely could take a curbside approach. They're not needing it if they're locking their folks down. That's not going to help movement of product. Well, Lori, as always, it's a true pleasure having you on the show, sharing your thoughts and insights with our listeners. To get in contact with Lori, you can see her contact info in the show notes, or you can find her at 
your next local rodeo event near the adult beverage tent. If you've enjoyed listening to From the Furl, subscribe to our podcast, share it with a friend, or give us a review. Thank you to Corey Romero, our wonderful producer, and Paige for mixing and mastering today's show. Thank you.